We're going to be over in Galatians chapter 5 this morning. There was a demonstration given in a classroom, college classroom, and the student got up to talk about the laws of the pendulum. And what he did was he got up there and he got, he got a little child's toy and he was able to thumbtack it up on the front, right in front of the uh, chalkboard. And he uh, had, just had a short uh, string on it. And the pendulum was only about three foot. But he took a took the pendulum and he pulled it all the way over. This is after teaching for 20 minutes on the laws of a pendulum and all the things that govern it. How that uh, weight, uh, the weight of the pendulum, how that affects things, how gravity affects things. Then that the law of the pendulum is that the pendulum can never rise higher than it previously did. So however far it came up, it will never rise that high again. It will always be it's slightly smaller until finally gets all the way down to where it's not rising at all. Those are the laws of the pendulum. He went over scientifically all the different laws of the pendulum and taught them there for about 20 minutes. Then he demonstrated by taking this little toy, putting it up on the front, pulling it back, making the mark on the, on the chalkboard, and then letting it go. And they could see each time it was a little bit less and a little bit less and a little bit less and a little bit less. And so after the end of that, he asked for a show of hands, how many of you believe in the law of the pendulum? And everybody in the classroom raised their hand, including the professor. And the professor at this point was thinking that the instructional class was over and that he was done his demonstration. And so he got up to come to the front. And as he got up to come to the front, found out that the class had just really begun. Because the student said, I need you. I invited the teacher to come on up. And they sat him on the desk in front of the classroom. And he had already rigged up a very large pendulum hanging from the rafters in the ceiling and put a very large ball in it. It was kind of crude, but it would, it would certainly work. And so governing the, the laws of the pendulum, and everybody had said that they believed in the laws of the pendulum, and the, and the professor was one of these. And so he sat him up there on the, on the desk, and he raised the pendulum right to about an inch before his nose. And this, is, this, is, this uh, pendulum goes way up into the ceiling. And then he released it. And the pendulum swung. And then the pendulum swung back. And he said, you've never seen a professor try and get out of a chair so fast in your life. <laughs> so even though everybody believed it, even though the professor said he believed it, he's sitting there in front looking at the pendulum coming at his face. He decided to get out of the way. How many times do we know on paper that the laws of God work? That the laws of God are true? But when we see the pendulum coming our way, hmm, it's easy for us to just get up and get out of the way. Over here in Galatians, we learned some things about some, some laws and some laws that help us in the area of fruit. And in Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, Stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. The word there for stand fast means to stand firm, to persist or to persevere, to stand firm, to persist, or persevere. We bring out the Greek words a lot of times because the Greek is extremely descriptive, whereas the English, a lot of times we have the same word to describe the same thing. But Greek will often have three, four, five words to describe it. And it's really fun to study how they use these particular words. Thank God, though, you don't need to have a Greek degree to study Greek, nor do you need to have a Greek degree to study the Word of God. Because stand fast means what? Stand. If you just got that, you'd have it. <laughs> but it means to stand firm, to persist, or to persevere. That would mean that if you were that professor 
and you saw the pendulum swinging back at you, and you use this particular word, it would mean that you would stay in that place. You would persevere. You would persist. Even though you see the pendulum swinging back by you, coming right out to your nose, you would say, no, I'm going to stay right here. You would persist. You would stand. So he says it is, stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. When he says this, this means that there are forces at work, there are things going on in this life to take you out of your liberty. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Christ went to the cross and brought us liberty. The liberty is there for us. But he says, stand fast in it. Because there are forces at work. There are people out there. There are enemies about us that want to get us out of our liberty and bring us into bondage. There is not just bondage into the areas of the flesh, not just bondage in the areas of sin. There is religious bondage as well. And people want to get us out of the liberty that we are in, into religious bondage. Now, this is why he wrote the letter to the Galatians, because he had brought them into religious freedom. He had brought them into the freedom that was Christ, and they accepted a false religion. It looked like what he was teaching them. It looked like Christianity, but it was different. And it brought them into bondage. And he even exhorted them for how quickly they left the gospel of Jesus for a gospel that was not even in the same ballpark. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So we were with a yoke of bondage before, but now he says, stand fast in the liberty by which you are free. There's a liberty that is there. Being a Christian is not a set of rules and regulations, a set of do's and don'ts that keep you in bondage. Being a Christian brings you into liberty. We are in liberty. I've used this example for this before, but one of the best examples I've, that came to my mind was way back when I was in high school and I was training up a dog. And this dog's name was Shasta. She was the dog that probably you know, was the closest dog to me as I was growing up. We had a number of dogs, but this is the dog that got to me at the time when boys just like dogs. And Oh, we used to go out, we used to do all sorts of stuff, investigate the creek, investigate the woods. I had a buddy, he had a dog too, and that dog and my dog, we just pile up and we just, we would go places that would make mothers shudder. But our dogs could get there and we could get there and we had fun and we always made it back. Oh, but we had fun with these dogs. But my dog had a lot of freedom because of some things that I had done with it. We could take it to this park and I could release this dog. I walked the dog down on the chain. But once we got to the park, I released this dog off of the chain. And this dog was free to run in the park. And it would run anywhere it wanted to. Because all I had to do to get that dog right back by my side was... That was it. If I snapped my finger, that dog came running back and parked itself right there by me. If the dog saw another dog, it would look at me first and say, is it okay? And if I said, okay, go ahead, it would go and check out the other dog. If I said no, it would not. No matter what it was interested in, it would pull off if I just said the word. If I snapped my finger, if I called that dog, no matter what that dog was into, that dog would be by my, by my side within a moment. One time the, there was a family of rabbits that had been out in this park and uh, the dog went running over. I mean, this was a, a mixture dog. It had some uh, Brittany Spaniel in it. It had some Shepherd in it. It liked to hunt. 
they would have liked to hunt if we were hunters. We weren't. But we were out there, and uh, I'd always chase the rabbits, but this time it chased the rabbits, and there was a family. It was about three baby ones and one mom or dad, whatever it was. And so it chased after them, and the mom and two of the babies got away. But the way that she chased it, she kind of trapped one of them. And the one of them didn't move. It kind of just stayed there. And it was a baby. And so she came up and she planted herself right next to that. And she was looking at that baby. No, I didn't want her to go tear apart the baby. So all I did was call her off. And she came right up to me. Left, left the baby alone. The baby went off back into the brush with, with mom. We could go wherever it was. I could. We had to cross over the turnpike. Back then there was a, where this park was. They had a turnpike there. And the real fun part was on the other side of the turnpike. But the water underneath was deep. And we couldn't get, under, get across it that way. So what we would do is that we would come on this side and we would tell our dogs because we didn't want to bring our dogs across the turnpike. This is over at the interchange down in Willow Grove. It's kind of a wide uh, interchange. But we would just tell the dogs, stay. And we would climb up the hill, cross over the turnpike, and climb down on the other side. And then when we get over to the other side, our dogs are still there in the same spot that we told them to stay. And we could trust these dogs because no matter what would come about, no matter what came by, these dogs would not move. And so we would get on the other side of the turnpike bridge and once we were over there say, come on. And they would tear through the water because they didn't mind getting wet. <laughs> they actually liked it. They would tear through the water they head on over and then we, were all, we would be off and head on the other side and we would have all kinds of fun. We could take this dog and we could put her outside without a chain. And the dog would not go beyond the sidewalk. It would stop. It would chase the mailman all the way up to the sidewalk. <laughs> and then he would stop. Now, there was one flaw in this dog's um, uh, training. And that was if it's snowed. If it's snowed, my dog felt like if I don't see the barrier, I don't have to stop. <laughs> and it would run off. That's the only time it would ever run out of the yard on its own was if it's snowed. Other than that, it would stop every time. We could actually go to the store, leave the dog on the stoop out in the back, and uh, come on back and the dog would still be there. It would not go anywhere. It was, it was very receptive, very responsive to the training, and it did that. But you see, by doing so, it gave the dog all kinds of freedom. We were able to do things with that dog that other dogs you wouldn't be able to do because this dog accepted the, the, the freedom. So some folks would look at that and say, oh, it's in such bondage. Every time you tell it something, it has to do it. No, it brought it into huge freedom because I knew I could trust that dog. I could take it into any situation. And, and trust it. And that dog could have all kinds of fun. That dog didn't have to, like other dogs, have to run around the park with a chain on it. This dog could run and have fun. Oh, and that dog used to run. We put it on out there and it would just tear off. It could go 40, 50 yards ahead of me. It didn't matter. It just would tear, tear around. It would have some fun. But it had freedom. God has brought us into an area of freedom just like that. But what He needs is that we stand fast in the liberty, which means when God says something, we do it. When God gives a command, we obey it. And when we do that and we walk in those things, it increases our freedom. It doesn't increase our bondage. It increases our freedom. If we do not, we get entangled in a yoke of bondage and we get bound up. But God wants to bring us into great freedom. Other people will look at you and say, oh, but you can't do this. You can't go out and have fun like this. You can't go out and do these kind of things. And we say, why would I want to? I have such freedom. With God, I can just run. I can just have fun. Oh, we can do this and I can do that and I can go here. and Oh, it's so good. Life is so good. 
And other people say, oh, but you don't have the freedom that we do. You can't do some of the things that we do. You know, you can't get high, you can't get drunk, and you, you can't do all these... Say, oh, but I don't need to. Oh, I don't need to. Glory to God. Life is fun. Life is great the way that it is. There is a freedom that is there. But he says, Do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. In other words, if you're trying to get saved through circumcision or you're trying to get saved through some way of the law, you have to keep it all. That's bondage. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. And this is where God wants to get us. He wants to get us into a place where we have faith working through love. I have faith and confidence in God. I love God so much, I obey His commands. I keep His commands because I see what good it does. I see what freedom it brings me into. And this is what, what God wants, wants us to do. Glory to God. Walk in that freedom. Be in that freedom. Be in the place that God wants you to be at. Have that freedom. Don't get into this spot where we have to keep the whole law. How many of you know somewhere along the line we blew it? Anybody here? <laughs> we all did, didn't we? We all missed it somewhere. So we can't keep the whole law. So why in the world get into the bondage of having to keep it? No, get into the freedom of the Spirit. It doesn't mean that I'm just set free and I just sin at will. It means, glory to God, I have to just follow the commands of God. I don't get concerned about all the stuff that I messed up on, all the stuff that I did before. I'm not focused on that. I'm focused on what's ahead. Here we go. Let's have some fun with God. Let's go the way of God. And we're not getting into all these areas of Scripture. We're more, more looking at just the context in which He says all these things. But He says, Stand fast to persist, to stand firm, to persist or persevere in the liberty. In the liberty. We need to be in the, in the liberty that God has. Don't be entangled again to yoke of bondage. To be bound, I put this in your outline, to be bound to Christ is to be free from the law. To be bound to Christ is to be free from the law. To be bound to the law is to be free from Christ. One or the other. And the example goes back to the dog again. If the dog was bound to my commands, the dog was free from the leash. But if the dog decided not to be bound to my commands, what happened? It would come under the bondage of the, of the leash. And this is the same way with God. If we are bound to Him, we are freed from the law. But if we decide, I'm going to be over here with the law, I'm not going to listen to the things that God's doing, I'm not going to walk in that liberty, then we lose some things. Well, over here in verse 7, You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from Him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you and the Lord that you have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do you suffer persecution? Well, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Just because I'm free doesn't mean that I can just go out there and do whatever I want. I have been brought into a place of freedom, but I'm in freedom to obey the commands of God. And the commands of God are summed up in the law of God, which is to love. We need to walk in the love of God. We need to love the Lord our God. And we need to love others as ourselves. 
And if we do this, I don't try and bring other people into the same bondage that I'm brought into. And the same things, I'm not out there trying to, to, to bind them up. Oh, you need to stop doing that. If you don't stop doing that, you're going to hell. It's not about what we stop doing. It's about who we pursue. And we need to get people to pursue God and pursue the love of God. Verse uh, 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you, lest you be consumed by one another. The greatest test of our love is with the brethren, with those who are born again. That is the greatest test of our love. How much do we love people is shown by the brethren. Because then, when we get into brethren, we expect, well, they're born again, they ought to be doing a certain number of things. And when they don't, we get upset. We get short-tempered. We get bothered. How many of you have been bothered by people in the, in the body of Christ in your life? You know, we don't like this that they do, and we don't like that that they do, and we don't like this, and, and there's this over here, and oh, I wish they'd stop doing that. But he says, if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Don't get into this. Don't, don't, don't follow into that. Because what happens is, when I look at one person over here, and they're not operating by what I operate. Am I not putting them under a law? Well, I operate by this law. How come you don't? Well, I do that. How come you don't? Well, you should be doing that. You should be walking this. You should be doing this kind of thing. And, and that, that's not quite the way that it should be. No, don't do that. Don't put things on other people. Don't put any expectations on other people. Receive blessings from them, sure. But don't put expectations on other people. That's when we get into trouble. How many of you got into trouble? Because we put expectations on other people. Just get out there and be a blessing. If God tells you to go over there and bless that person, don't sit there and say, well, I don't like that person for this, that, and No, just obey God because if we obey the commands of God, what follows? Power follows. We need to make sure we, we get that. Verse 8 says, This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. This persuasion. Just because I'm persuaded about something doesn't mean that it's right. How many of you have ever been persuaded about something before? I've been persuaded that this is true. I've been persuaded that this is the way to go. And at the time, are you not persuaded? Do you not think that? Just because we're persuaded that way doesn't mean that it's right. Always make sure that you understand. Just because I'm persuaded about a thing to be true doesn't mean that it is. And if I try and put somebody else under that, then I may be bringing them under a bondage. I may be bringing them under a wrong thing. Let God bring that about. You demonstrate it. If it's worth following, people will follow you. Demonstrate the things of God. That's a hard thing to do. And sometimes we can get our, ourselves all bent out of shape because so-and-so didn't do this and so-and-so isn't walking that way. And Well, don't worry about that. Walk in the ways of God. Keep going in the ways of God. We are called to liberty. We're not called into bondage. And he also says this, Through love, serve one another. Through love, serve one another. Now this part here in verse 15, But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Most of us avoid verse 15 situations. How many of you ever been around a group of people? You used to enjoy them people. Oh, they're so much fun. They're so much fun. Then all of a sudden, some stuff began to happen and it wasn't as fun anymore. So what do we do? Walk away. Leave. Go away. Why? Because we want to avoid these. We want to avoid some of these situations. Now, the problem with family is that you generally, you know, you're stuck with your family. Right? You got born into them. 
your brothers, your brother, your sisters, your sister. That's just the way that it's going to be. But other people, other friends, other Christian folks, you're not necessarily stuck with them. You can just go on out there. That's why a lot of times we see people, they go from one church to another because they were in this church and then things started going wrong and things started going away or people started to bite and devour or they were even one of the ones who were biting and devouring. Well, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go over here to this group. And then they find out over in that group, guess what they're doing? Biting and devouring. A lot of times the people who go around looking for you know where it's not are generally the people who bring it along with them. Don't be one of those people who brings it along with you. But you can. There are some people who just set a whole mode of things. They just set a mode to bite and devour. They just set a mode of expectation and, and, and yeah, just be real, real careful on that. Don't be trying to avoid these situations. How many of you, in the past, you have been in a situation where Christians have been biting and devouring each other? Instead of running away from it, get in there and let's make it settled. Let's make it, make it right. The love of God on the inside of us is powerful enough to change that. But you've got to get a vision. You know what? I can change that. I can change that. We can go this way. We can do this, this thing. Wasn't Jesus involved in some situations where people were biting and devouring each other? He kept going back. He kept giving them the word. He kept trying to help them out. That's following that example. In verse 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and they are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. There's a contrary nature. The things of the flesh and the things of the Spirit. It's a contrary nature. Your flesh has certain desires, but they are contrary to the things of the Spirit. When your flesh... The, the Word of God says, Thou shalt not covet. And you can covet, put anything in there for covet. You can put in there, your, uh, as the Bible does at times, your neighbor's wife. You can also put in there, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's car. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's dog. Whatever it is that they have, if you get into a spot, well, how come they have that and I don't have that? I mean, I've been following after God and doing things. How come I don't have that? How come they don't have What is that? That's coveting. And as soon as I walk into that, I am following after a nature that is against the nature of God. Now, this whole series is about fruitfulness. Becoming part of the vine is to let the nature of the vine become the nature of the branch. But if I follow after the things of the flesh, the nature is contrary to the nature of the Spirit. Which is the nature of the vine? The nature of the flesh or the nature of the Spirit? Well, it's easy. That's the nature of the Spirit. So if I walk according to the nature of the flesh, I am not abiding in the vine, am I? Doesn't the Word of God say in John chapter 15, if I abide in the vine, that there must be an abiding in the vine that's there? So the more time I spend not abiding in the vine and abiding in the flesh, what, how's that going to affect my fruitfulness? So, you know, last week we talked about watering. We talked about smart water. Now, just because you're getting water doesn't mean that all the seeds are going to grow. God has smart water and spiritual water, water spiritual seed. Flesh water, water's flesh seed. They don't water each other. So I need to go around and begin to meditate on good things. Think on good things. Think on the positive thing. Think on the Word of God. Meditate on the Word of God. Don't meditate on the doctor's report. Meditate on what the Word of God says. Don't worry. Meditate on the newspapers. Meditate on what the Word of God says. These are the things that I need to do. If I continue to meditate on them, 
if I continue to say them, hear them, think them, then I change what seeds are growing on the inside of me. But here we got two natures contrary to each other. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And they are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. A few weeks ago we looked at Jesus coming to the disciples. And the disciples, He said, Pray with me. Pray that you do not enter into temptation. And when He came back to them, He said, The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And here He says right in this verse, the same kind of thing. That if I... Let's read it right straight from there again. I'll just read it from this one. And the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. So that you do not do the things that you wish. Which means there is something in me that says, I want to do this, but instead I am doing this. I want to love other people, but instead I'm operating in a different way. I'm operating in the flesh. I have flesh results from it. I'm getting angry. I'm getting mad. I'm getting hurt. I'm not walking in that love. My spirit wants to walk this way, but my flesh is walking this way. And then sometimes we can walk into a persuasion that the way of the flesh is correct. But just because I'm persuaded doesn't mean that it's right. How many of y'all know there's a whole lot of Christians out there who want to become persuaded that their way is right? Oh, this is this is the good way. Don't they'll, they'll go out there and don't talk. Well, I just feel the Lord was telling me to go out here and do this. I just feel that this is what needed to be done here at this time, and I'm persuaded. Well, that doesn't mean that it's right. You know, how many of you all know you could be persuaded that since uh, something else in your house is cheaper than gasoline, I'm going to use it in my car instead of gas. It's cheaper. And you could persuade yourself. You could think, oh, you know, this is combustible. This is, uh, this, this, this has the same kind of properties. I'll use that instead. No, it won't kind of, won't bring the same result, will it? So just because you're persuaded, you I mean you can go to a repair shop afterwards and say, what'd you do? Well, I put, you know, such and such in it. Well, why'd you do that? Well, I thought I would do the same thing. Well, why'd you think that? <laughs> it was kind of stupid. But Christians can do this all the time. We can persuade ourselves or allow ourselves to be persuaded or hear other people say things, reports say things that are contrary to the Word of God. I could stand before God dead, having died down here on the earth, live up there, get before Him and be asked, why, why didn't you believe that I would heal you off of that? Well, I was persuaded by what the doctor said. And Jesus could say, well, why were you persuaded by what the doctor said? Wasn't my word good enough for you? Why didn't you, why didn't you believe my word? I'll tell you what, there's a whole lot of Christians that got up to heaven early. Didn't, didn't, weren't supposed to be there. They got up there early. Oh, don't do it. Just because you get persuaded on a thing doesn't mean that it's right. Listen to the Word of God. Obey it. Does the Word of God say that He'll take care of that situation? Yes. Did the Word of God say to Peter, did not Jesus say to him, come on out. And he stepped out of the boat and walked on the water. And he walked on the water until he became persuaded that people shouldn't be walking on the water, especially when there's waves. 
Then he become persuaded of that. But when he first stepped out of the boat, was he not persuaded that he could do it? But then he became persuaded the other way. Be careful how you are persuaded. That's why it's so important. Stay around the Word of God. Make sure that whatever teaching you're getting, make sure that it gets into the Word of God. Don't get into those things that just talk about the Word. Don't get into those things that read the newspaper and tell you God's opinion on it. Or at least pretend to be God's opinion. Stay in the Word of God. It's so important that we do so. It changes what happens on the inside of our life. We're doing the things that we don't wish. I wish I was doing... I want to do this over here. But I'm finding myself doing this over here. But I want to do this over here. That's the problem that comes in. But if you are led by the Spirit, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. See, that's conditional. Just because you're born again doesn't mean you're led by the Spirit. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, don't raise your hand on this. How many of you have ever done anything on that list? Don't raise your hand, just inside. Use your inside hand. We've had some of those things go on in our life. But he says that those who practice those things, the word there for practice is not the word to those who commit. It's translated correctly. Those who practice. Those who are in a habitual habit of doing these things. So don't get in condemnation. Oh, I did one of the... I I used to walk that way. I used to do this kind of stuff over here. It don't matter. You don't do it anymore. You don't practice that anymore. And even if you are a Christian and you fell into one of those things, doesn't mean that you're no longer worthy for God. He's talking about practice. Practice. That you continue to go that way. We're not even talking about someone who has fallen into one of these works of the flesh and then feels remorse about it and comes before God and repents. Oh, Father God, that's not the way I want to walk. Oh, Father God, that's not the nature I want to take on. That's not a person who's practicing it. That's a person who, who slipped into it. Maybe they slipped into it often and over and over. What it's talking about is people who practice these things do these things and don't care to change it. I don't need to change that. I can walk this way. I can do this thing. God will just have to accept me for that. That's the way I'm going to go. That's what it's talking about. But the fruit of the Spirit, we're not spending time on all describing all the works of the flesh. We've done that in the past. Our focus here is the fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is. And that's the way we need to to go. Now, go back up here to verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit. The word there for walk means to habitually walk around in one general vicinity. To habitually walk around in one particular place. How many have ever lived in the same place for five years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty, long time? And if you don't move the furniture, if you keep everything basically the same, can you not come down in the nighttime and walk around in that room? Because you have ordered your behavior around that house. Because you have ordered your behavior around. You even know where all the different stuff is. You can come down with your eyes closed and know if I reach over here, yeah, there it is. And you can find it, can't you? It's not a problem because I have ordered my behavior. I know where the things are. I know where the pieces are. I know how this goes. You know, some of you 
folks who like to cook, you get into a kitchen, you get into your kitchen, you know where everything is. You know where you have to go and where you set this thing over here. But then you get into a strange kitchen. Does it throw you off? It throws you off a little bit. Well, that, I, it, it, the stove is usually here and it's not here. It's over here. And, and then I used to have the sink. And, and you're just used to how that is. He says, order your behavior. Walk after the Spirit. Order your behavior in the sphere of the Spirit. Walk around in that realm. And, you, and this becomes second nature to you. Walk around in the realm of the Spirit. Keep walking around the realm of the Spirit. How do I walk around in the realm of the Spirit? I stay in the love of God. I don't fall into contempt. I don't fall into envy. I don't fall into all these other things that I've talked about. Because every single work of the flesh will pull me out of the sphere of the Spirit because I fall out of walking in love. Go over some of these again. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery. Am I walking in love when I fall into adultery? No, I'm hurting people. Fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. Again, I'm hurting people in those things. I'm bringing other people into the sin that I'm in. Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. These are the things, if we walk around in those fear, if I step out into these things, I'm leaving the realm of the Spirit. Which means I'm not walking around in that realm. I'm walking over here. I'm getting comfortable in the realm of the flesh. The more I walk around in the realm of the flesh, the more comfortable I become with the realm of the flesh. If I become comfortable with the realm of the flesh, it's not a shocking to me. When I, when I step over into it. How many of y'all like to go into the beach? Into the ocean? Some people like the beach. Some people like the beach and the ocean. I'm one of those people I like the beach and the ocean. And uh, y'all know my absolute favorite place as far as beaches are concerned is Ocean City, New Jersey. That is my absolute favorite place in the world. I just love Ocean City, New Jersey. And... Uh, I've been to some of the other beaches around the country. Not all of them, just some of them. And none of them, for me, I am persuaded. <laughs> none of them hold a candle to Ocean City, New Jersey. But I'm very familiar with Ocean City, New Jersey. I'm very familiar with the water in Ocean City, New Jersey. I have no familiarity with the water over in California. But I do know this. If you walk into the water down in Florida and the water is 80 degrees, you almost don't even know you're walking into it. It's warm. But I can guarantee you, every single time that you walk into the water in Ocean City, New Jersey, you know you walked into the water. <laughs> there is not a single time you will walk into the water in Ocean City, New Jersey and not realize you have walked into the water. Even when it is warm as it has ever been, I've ever seen 75, 78 degrees, that's about as warm as it gets out there. And that's a warm day. When you walk into the water, oh, it's, 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 feels cold. But most of the time that you're out in Ocean City, New Jersey, in the middle of the summer, the water is somewhere between 70 and 75. Once in a while, you're finding around 65. And you can tell how warm the water is by how many people are in the, in the water. If you're just walking by, if you see a lot of people, you know it's in the 75 range. If you see a good amount of people, it's probably in the 70 range. And if you see hardly anybody at all, it's probably in the 65 range. If there's no one in the water, it's probably 60. And so you can pretty much tell, gauge, you know, exactly where the water is. But if you walk into the water... In Ocean City, New Jersey, this, there's, there's some things that you should not do. If any of you have ever walked into the water in Ocean City, New Jersey, slowly, it is painful. 
That is the wrong way to enter the water. You should never enter the water in the ocean, in Ocean City, New Jersey, slowly. Never. You should get in as fast as you can. Whether it is 65, 70, or 75, you should get in that water as quickly and as fast as you can. Because the longer you prolong it, the more painful it is. Haven't you ever experienced that? And the worst part, you know, when you walk in and you've got your feet in there, it feels cold, but you know, your feet readily adapt. Very quickly adapt. And then you get in further and further. And if you have any experience in Ocean City, New Jersey, or the waters of Ocean City, you know that there is one particular place in your body that is the most painful, the most uncomfortable to get used to the water. And that is above your waist. Once that water, I mean, if you're walking on out and the wave splashes up and it splashes your belly, what happens? Oh, that is so cold. Oh, oh that is terrible. Oh, it's, that is the worst place. I don't know about you. For me, everybody I've ever talked to, that is the worst place. So what I do to avoid that is, is I simply go on down and I run into the water and the first wave I can find, the first any bit of water I can find, I just dive in. It may only be thigh high. The water may only be thigh high, but I dive into the water. I completely submerge myself in the water. I get my hair wet, my face wet, everything. And for an instant, it is cold. But then it begins to be okay. And then you can get up and the waves can smack against your body and hit your belly and it doesn't matter because I'm all already wet. And it still feels a little cold, but as you stay out there for a little while, you begin to become used to it. And what felt cold now, all of a sudden, boy, this feels nice. Oh, it felt cold when I first came in, but oh, does it feel nice now. Oh, I am enjoying have you, have you ever been out in the water, Ocean City, New Jersey, and you've been out there for a little while, and all of a sudden it's starting to feel a whole lot better when you first got in there? Oh, you're starting to get used to this. Yeah, I can stay out in this for a little while. Oh, this is good. And you know, there's certain times, if it's 75 degrees in the water, I could be in the water four or five hours and never come out. If the water's 70 degrees, I can be in the water for about two hours and not come out. If the water is 65 degrees, probably an hour is about the most I'll get. And see, so you start shivering, you're just shivering all over. For a while, you know, it felt okay, but then after a bit, you're just getting cold, cold, cold. You need to come on out for a while and warm up. But I say all that to tell you this. When you're out in the water, even if it's 75 degrees, and it feels cold when you first get out there, but after about five, ten minutes of being around in that water and ordering your behavior in the realm of the water. It becomes second nature to you. It doesn't feel like you're in cold ocean water. It feels like you're in nice, warm water. And you're having fun and you're riding the waves or doing whatever it is that you like to do in the water. And it's, it doesn't feel cold because you got yourself in there. But then if you come back out on the land for a little while and then go back into the water, what happens? Oh, it's cold because I got myself out of it. What God wants us to do is to get in the water and stay in. And it feels, oh, this is comfortable. This is good. I can stay here. I can, oh, I can order my behavior around here in this water for a while. But constantly there are forces out there. You know, moms on the shoreline beckoning, come, come in. Wives, who desire to go out and do something else besides be on the beach, come. Come in. Lifeguards who have decided the riptide is not safe for you, come. 
Come in. And constantly forces are always trying to get you to come out of the water. Because if they get you out of the water, you become once again used to the land and you become used to the air and the water will become cold. But see, God wants us to get into the water and to stay in the water and to become used to the water. So the water is second nature to us. I am used to this. Is, I am used to this. I can order my behavior around here. This is all right. This is good. But there are a lot of forces out there that want to get us out of the walk in the Spirit and get us into the walk of the flesh. They're going to get us out of the walk in the water and get us to walk on the land because then the Spirit is a shock to us. The realm of the Spirit is a shock. I, I don't want to go into... No, this is, this is comfortable over here. That's, I like this over here. That's not what God wants us to do. He wants us to habitually walk around the area of the Spirit. Habitually walk around it. Now, to walk in the flesh, as he says in here, where do we leave all that? Verse 21. To walk in the flesh, as he says over here, is to pull from your treasure on earth. To walk in the flesh, or to walk in the first thing he talks about, is to pull from my treasure on earth. As long as I walk in the flesh... As long as the flesh has a desire, as long as the flesh has a need, as long as the flesh says, go ahead and envy, as long as the flesh says, go ahead and hate, go, go ahead and be angry, go ahead and be jealous, go ahead and walk in these ways, as long as I keep going in that direction, I will have at my disposal all the treasures that I have on the earth. How many treasures are they? As long as I order my behavior near the flesh... My treasures will be what I see on the earth, here on the earth. But, if I follow after the second, if I don't walk after the flesh, I walk after the Spirit. And to walk in the second, or to walk in the Spirit, is to pull from your treasure in heaven. That's when I begin to pull from the things that God has. That's when I pull from His strength. How many times have we made prayers, Oh God, give me strength to get through this. A pretty common prayer, isn't it? If you're walking, ordering your behavior in area the flesh, all you have to draw from is what is on the earth. But if you order your behavior by the things of the Spirit, I now have His strength and His power. I now have His riches. I now have His ability. I now have His vision. I have His insight. I have His foresight. All those things are available to me if I order myself in the area of the Spirit. Which one gives you more freedom? Oh, the Spirit, doesn't it? Oh, I can do. I can step out there and do all kinds of stuff, because I have more freedom in that. More freedom in those things. Put it to you this way: How many of you, when you're growing up, you know, you watch some of the superheroes on TV, Superman, um, I don't know, whatever. I can't even think of all the all the all the different ones that are on there, but. Some of the superheroes that are out there had the ability to fly. And if you see some of the some of these superheroes having the ability to fly, how many of you have ever dreamed what it would be like to have the ability to fly? Oh, would that be fun? Oh, to fly. You know, so for some of us when we were little boys, we thought the cape, that was, that's what did it. If you put the cape on, 
Now you've got it. You've got the ability to fly. But without that cape, man, you just can't get it. <laughs> and so you see little boys all over the place. They put the cape on and they would jump off of the bed. In their imagination, they're flying. I'm flying. I'm soaring through the air. If we had the ability to tap into another area's strength and we could fly, would that change some of the things that you're afraid of? Would that change some of the things that you would do? If you didn't have to get in your car and drive from here to there and be concerned about the traffic, just put on your cape and fly. If you're up visiting the top of the Empire State Building and the elevator broke down, what would you do? That's fly. I mean, some of you might even take up, uh, you know, uh, what they call jumping out of the airplane and bungee jumping, all sorts of stuff. Because, hey, if I can fly, I can't get hurt, right? It give you a whole lot more freedom. You can get places faster. I mean, Superman was never late for stuff. He'd get there real quick. It's the same thing here. If we keep staying in the realm of the flesh, all I have is the ability to walk. The ability to drive a car. But tap into the area of the Spirit. Folks, you can soar. You can fly. You can tap into the realm and the power of God and you can do things. But people are always telling you, no, 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 you can't do that. Stay over here. Enjoy envying people and being jealous and walking in fornication and adultery and all that stuff. You, you can't really fly. You're just missing out on all this fun. To walk in the second, to walk in the Spirit is to pull from your treasure in heaven. Those who are Christ's have crucified. Those who are His, they've crucified those desires. We've crucified, we killed them. Now, how many of y'all know when you face those desires and we have the desire to envy, to be jealous, to be angry, to be hate, hateful, and we have that. How many of y'all know that desire can still come up on the inside of you? But I can just stand there and say, I've died to that. I've crucified that desire. I do not have a desire to walk in that way anymore. I'm going to go over this way. And I keep myself ordering the behavior in the spirit, which means I stayed in the water. And I'm used to, I'm used to this. I know how to operate here in the spirit. I'm walking there. So, so many people, you know, they, oh, I wish I knew how to operate in the spirit. I wish I could walk in such a way that I could hear God better. I wish I could operate in such a way that God would speak to me through the Scriptures. Well, order your behavior in the Spirit. Order your behavior in the Spirit. When you order your behavior, when you walk in the realm of the Spirit, when you keep your behavior in that spot, you know what happens? I get used to operating in this area. And I can hear what comes from the Spirit. I can tell what comes from the Spirit. Oh, it's, it's good. Now, there's folks out there that will mimic things. How many of y'all know in the ocean... How many, how many like waves? Anybody like waves? I love waves. I love waves. But how many have ever been to one of those water parks and they have the wave maker? The wave maker. Now, if you have been on the real thing, the wave maker is, well, you know, if there's nothing else around, it's nice. But the wave maker, folks, it is not the real thing. The real thing, real waves, oh, there is nothing like them. Nothing like them. Oh, you can do stuff with real waves. But in the realm of the flesh, people will try and put wave makers up there. <laughs> Trying to give you a little substitute there. No, no. Stay with the, stay with the area of the Spirit. 
Those who are Christ, we've crucified those passions and desires. We've crucified ourselves from going in. Doesn't mean that I don't ever want to envy. I don't ever want to hate. I don't ever want to, I can still operate in that. I can still feel those things come up. But you know what I say? No. No. Uh-uh. I've died to that. I'm staying over here. Because in order for me to embrace those things, I have to get out of the... or get out of the water and go on to the land. I had to get out of the Spirit to get into the flesh. And if I do that, I become unused to the Spirit and I'm not walking around in that area. I'm not enjoying the benefits of that area. So we've crucified this passion and desires. The fruit of the Spirit. And he begins to list some of them here. Verse, where do we leave off at? Verse 21. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. The fruit of the Spirit is... Now, we've gone over this before. The fruit of the Spirit is... Plural or singular? Singular. There is one fruit of the Spirit. Understand this. There is one vine and there is one fruit on that vine. We're not all producing apples, oranges, and grapes. There is one vine, one true vine, and we are a branch attached to that vine. There is one fruit. What is the fruit? Love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. All these other things are an outgrowth of love. Every single one of them. Nothing else about this except that it's an outgrowth of love. If I want to walk in joy, guess what I have to be in? If I want to walk in peace, what do I have to be in? If I want to walk in long-suffering, what do I have to be in? Every single one of those things, if I'm going to walk in them, I have to walk in love. Love is the fruit of the Spirit. Love is the fruit of the Spirit. If we're going to produce fruit, we're going to produce love. So what we have to do is get the handle on what this love is that God is talking about. How love keeps me in the area of the Spirit. And how I can have all those other things. Let's take a look at all the other things that He gives us. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How many of those things sound good to you? How many can use some more self-control? How many can use some more kindness, faithfulness, long-suffering, mercy, joy, peace? Can we use some more of that? then there is a way for us to operate in more of that instead of this wasteful time of getting down before our knees and saying, Oh, God, make me more long-suffering. Oh, God, give me more joy. Oh, God, make me more peaceful. That's not an appropriate prayer. We're going to spend some time on that. So we're going to finish up this part in in Galatians here and look at how can I operate? This is the fruit of the Spirit. This is what he says. If we are going to be attached to the vine, if we're going to be walking in the vine, these are the things we're going to produce. Love. And out of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and so forth. These are the things we're going to produce. This is what we're going to walk in. They are going to be all over us. People are going to come up to us and see, oh, long-suffering. They're not going to see suppression of nasty words. Suppression of hateful attitudes. 
If I walk into a place and I am suppressing what I feel, it is not a fruit of the Spirit. Remember the apples? That's a wooden apple. And we're producing these wooden apples and their flesh works. This is what happens to them. They burn up. But I want to go into the next kingdom. Not with wooden apples. Not with fake apples. But with real fruit on the vine. Real fruit. And you know what? Real fruit is easier than wooden apples. It's a whole lot easier. So we need to get into the whole context so you understood what the context of this was so we can delve into what these fruits are. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Glory to God. Father, we thank You for the love of God that is on the inside of us. We thank You, Father, that in us is the ability to walk in the realm of the Spirit. That every time we are presented with an opportunity to walk in the flesh, every time we are presented with an opportunity to hate, to be angry, to be jealous, to envy, we won't take it. Because we realize, no, nah, no, nah, that's getting me out of the water. I want to I want to stay in the water. I want to stay in the realm of the Spirit. I want to stay in this place. I don't want to get reused to walking on the land. I want to stay here in the water. I'm used to the water. I like the water. I like the realm of the Spirit. I'm used to the realm of the Spirit. And I want the treasures of the realm of the Spirit at my disposal. Not the treasures of the land. Not the treasures of the flesh. So Father, we thank You for the help that You give us. For we are learning how it is to order our behavior and to sphere the Spirit. That we produce the fruit that You desire that we produce. Oh, we thank You for it. Glory be to Your name.